All right, Justin, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I thought we'd begin by talking about our joint venture, The Vagrants, and our ideas and goals for this duo, as well as our current desire to change the name. Sound good? Sounds good, brother. So you and I memorize and perform hit songs for money. That we do. And we like to joke around about us being the bronze option when it comes to choosing an appropriate cover group. So what are your thoughts about what's available out there in this realm and how we measure up compared to some of the other groups, both the non-medalists and the gold medalists? I think that, uh, you know, we've done this for a pretty long time at this point. You know, it's been, uh, what did we, we, we were just talking the other night to somebody. We started in 2005. Yeah, so it's been 13 years. So, I mean, I think that with that, amount of time and experience you know i can remember when we started out man like we were doing whatever we we wanted to do as time went on we had to learn to understand that this is what the audience wants to hear this is what's you know they they want to hear what they know the songs that maybe you didn't like as much you ended up uh, finding a different way to enjoy them because you saw that the people in the audience were enjoying them choosing songs that we want to play compared to the ones that the audience wants to hear that's a rookie mistake. That's what original bands do. They play yeah. their favorite song and nobody cares. That's what we've learned in this decade and a half of experience. That we're not out there for ourselves. We're there to provide a service. And part of providing a service is playing songs that people enjoy hearing. Yeah. So that was the hard lesson that took a few years to learn. <laughs> yeah, and for sure. yeah. That is the number one mistake that cover bands make. is They just want to play their favorite songs and... Essentially, if you play a deep enough cut, it's the same as an original band song. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, but even still, there are. Uh, I was when I did that uh, that Clintons, that '90s tribute band, man. Like uh, there were songs that I recognized that they were popular. They were huge hits, you know. But in that format. I think the ultimate goal is for people to dance and to socialize and to enjoy themselves. But I felt like some of those songs didn't lend themselves to that scenario. But for us, anytime I book the band, normally what I do is I say, hey, you know, listen, okay, you're you're a venue, whether it's a restaurant or a bar, you hire us. And, you know, because if they don't have us, what are they going to be doing? They're going to be either listening to a nondescript stereo playing in the background or maybe there's a penguins game on or a steelers game on but if you wanted something a little bit more than that live entertainment you have to play to what the people want so when i book the band i go look if you have us like we'll keep the people there we'll keep them they won't leave i don't think we'll offend anybody i think we're pretty good we're pretty cognizant of the fact that you know volume uh, I, I think we do a good job as far as like not being offensive. Number one mistake bands make is they are too loud. Oh, Drum man. sets are too loud. <laughs> Nobody cares. Yeah, they want to talk to each other. Yeah, so you have to fill that space for people. Yeah, they're essentially a stereo, like you said. And if you're yeah. operating in a way where you're trying to get everyone to look at you and adore you, like you're on stage at the Palladium then you're in the wrong business, really. Yeah. So we started The Vagrants more than 13 years ago, mm-hmm. as we just said, in 2005. Mm-hmm. And we just went with the first name that solved the problem of needing a band name. And we went with The Vagrants. 
Now, that name, as you and I know, is Taken. Yes. Both by posterity. Mm-hmm. There was a 1960s garage rock band called The Vagrants. Yes. And by modernity, there's a fully functioning touring band from Australia called The Vagrants. Correct. Yeah. And incidentally, this latter is fond of sending us cease and desist messages on Facebook. So in any case, we're currently wrangling a new name into submission. So I thought we'd discuss some of our ideas here, both the serious (laughs) and ridiculous ones. Sounds good. So I'll just go through these here, and you can give me your thoughts about each. Okay. So some candidate names are or have been uh, the following. Uh, The Record Store. The, The Record Store I liked only in the sense that one of my day jobs in my life has been managing record stores. So like uh, the record store, you know, provided, you know, different sections, you know, they had an R&B section, they had a rock section, a metal section, so on and so forth. I think that we do enough variety that it, that, that, that name, the record store. It advertises perfectly what it is that we do. And that's why I think that it's still a good candidate. Even though I'm not in love with it, it's better than the vagrants. And if, push comes to shove, I'd, I'd be happy to go with that one. Yeah, amen. How about the Tune Touchers, which <laughs> I, I really like? I, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a hilarious name. <laughs> it uh, perfectly it, advertises it, what we do. It does. Tune Touch is that system now that they have in bars for when they have a jukebox and you can kind of, you know, you can have an app on your phone or you can kind of, you don't even have to go up to the jukebox. You can just, do it from your phone, from your seat at the bar, and go, I want to hear whatever it is you want to hear. That's right, and it's called Touch Tunes. It's called Touch Tunes. But I can't help but wonder, do people still, do people nowadays refer to the jukebox as the Touch Tune? I don't think they do. No way, it's just a a brand name. It's a jukebox, right? So the joke is that, Okay, that system is called (laughs) the Touch Tune. The the, Tune Touchers. The Tune Touchers. We could be the jukeboxers. The jukebox, the jukeboxers. That's not that's, bad. That's not bad. We could stylize it with boxing gloves and, and boxing rings. You, we could, yeah. Okay, how about the domestic imports? <laughs> we because we play in these bars all the time. You, you always see advertised, you know, domestics and imports. Yeah, I, I just thought the domestic imports. It's not bad. It. Less advertises who we are and what we do, but it's a pretty good name. It, yeah, it, it definitely doesn't touch on what we do at all. How about the Party Wolves? <laughs> I, I, I'm a big f- fan of the Party Wolves, f- by the way. For me, somehow any band that has the name Wolf in it is just inherently funny to me. Like there was an '80s hair metal band called Leather Wolf. I don't know if you remember that. No, band. that sounds amazing. Leather Wolf was. Uh, the, I think the name was better than the band ultimately, but uh, Leather Wolf. But uh, like, uh, what was it? Didn't Stags have uh, Wolves of Glory? Yeah, Wolves of Glory. Which is like, if, if he wasn't using Wolves of Glory, I would take Wolves of Glory yeah. for the Vagrants. Well, but, it's uh, our duo, our our fake yeah. rap duo. Yeah, Wolves but, of Glory. But I think the Party Wolves is good. It does advertise that we get the party started. It's sort of funny. But do we really get the party started? Kind of. <laughs> okay, how about the Monongahela Monsters? I am a big fan of the fact that, you know, you and I both grew up in Pittsburgh. 
uh, we're you know born and bred. We're we're in our forties and we still live here. I I love the city. Um, I, it's I a local themed name. It's a local themed name. Uh, there's a there's a band in town called uh, Wine and Spirit, which I think is the, I'm jealous of that name. Your friend Joel Lindsay has the uh, Boulevard, Boulevard of the Allies, Allies, which is I think is that, that's top notch as well. I liked the idea of of uh, using the region to. It's, you know, everybody knows the Boulevard of the Allies. Everybody knows wine and spirits. It's where they go to buy their liquor. You know, they drive on Boulevard of the Allies. I thought that a, maybe a landmark within the city would be easily identifiable uh, as far as, like, promotion is concerned. In, there wouldn't be any. How many times have people misspelled the vagrants or, misset, or, or misspoke the vagrants? It, it's just more times than they've said it correctly. Yes. They're not going to have any better luck spelling Monongahela. No, but you feel like they should, though. It's a river that runs through the city. You would Yeah, hope I like a local would. theme name. There's a band called The Hills and the Rivers, which I think is a great name. Yeah, yeah. Okay, how about The Hit Slammers? <laughs> which I think is great. It, like, it, it's great, but it's just, I don't... I don't know that I could say it with a straight face and if somebody said, hey, what's the name of your band? Or the Hit Slammers, I would laugh every time. And, and it's not that it's, it, it's not, it's not esoteric. It's not, it should be easy to spell, I would think, for folks. But it, I don't know something about it. The Hit Slammers are just like, we're slamming the hits, man. Totally, man. I think it <laughs> advertises perfectly what we do. No one is going to be confused about what they're getting with the Hit Slammers. Okay, how about Shrum for Cover? Oh, I forgot about we said that strum for cover. That's supposed to we, run for cover, of yeah, course. It is that's ridiculous. It, it, but the strum part, obviously, yeah, you're but strumming there we guitars. Are. We're for cover, I the mean, cover part, we're playing other people's music. So yeah, it's I mean, good. It, it definitely uh, lends itself to what we do. Yeah, for sure. It is filled with cheese. It's it's super it's super cheese. Okay, how about the great white snakes? <laughs> I still love the Great White Snakes. I thought if we were a Great White cover band or White Snake cover band. I agree, but it just... It's like Bon Journey. It's... I I think it's better than Bon Journey, man. I think that, like, the Great White Snake... But I also think that the... the, the, And I could be wrong. I think the average person, I don't think, would immediately identify... Like, get that correlation. Like, okay, we're taking the band Great White and we're taking the band Whitesnake, and we're putting them together. Yeah, it's a portmanteau uh, of band names. Yeah, I, I, th- I that it's funny. It doesn't have anything to do with what, what we, do. we do or identify, but I like that one. Yeah, it's it goes in the funny than, category. Certainly better than the hit slammers. The hit slammers just is ridiculous to me. Yeah, in the same category, I came up with Elton John Denver Broncos. <laughs> I don't know that you can even... T- I mean, I, I love that name, but I don't know. That you- That's a mouthful. Though. Yeah. It's a mouthful. Yeah, okay. Well, the, the Elton John Denver Broncos and James Taylor Swift boats, we <laughs> put those on the shelf. and What is it? I think it was the Stevie Wonderwalls. Yeah, the Stevie Wonderwalls, <laughs> yeah. which is pretty good. That was pretty good, yeah. Okay, how about the pop charts or the chart breakers? So playing on the, the theme of charts. I like the chart breakers more yeah, than bad. I do the pop charts. Yeah, I guess that, charts. that has to do with obviously my affinity for uh, Breakfast Tom Petty. Cereal. No, I was going to say Tom Petty as opposed to the heartbreakers, the chart breakers. Yeah, totally. 
I mean, it might not be bad. Yeah, I it's mean, not bad. But my thought is maybe, like, does it seem, is it overtly cheesy? Is yeah, it, or somehow presumptuous. Pre- yes. I mean. Okay, how about uh, nunchucks and bottle rockets? <laughs> I love nunchucks and bottle rockets. Man. Yeah, I think that it's pretty was, good. That was, uh, that's very funny. I like that. It, it, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Um, it, that was a uh, one of those kind of uh, turnpike parkway uh, driving through New York uh, where they sold basically pornography and fireworks yeah. and nunchucks. nunchucks. <laughs> so it was a road sign? Yeah, it was. No, well, you saw the sign as you were driving down the highway, but uh, then once you saw the building, it had like a kind of marquee that went wrapped the whole way around the building and it, it had nunchucks it was like nunchucks exclamation point bottle rockets <laughs> yeah. exclamation point yeah. but then it also had like porn and it was just like man that's a, like for Sounds that's like the a best one, store ever it's the one-stop shop man for all your all your needs man who doesn't want to watch some porn and then light some fireworks yeah, here i am wasting my time going to sam's club okay a couple more here how about the cover wagons Maybe we can put that in the cheesy category. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a play on the covered yeah, wagons. The covered wagons, right. Uh, but, you know, yeah. It just, I, I couldn't help think that, man, is that name going to make more people ask for Wagon Wheel? Yeah. I don't want yeah, exactly. that at all. I hope that we've played Wagon Wheel for the last time. I, I mean, so do I. But I know I, to I, a moral certainty that we have not. No, yeah. We definitely haven't, man. <laughs> Okay, just a couple more here. Uh, yeah. Cover jugglers. <laughs> cover. When did that? When did, what are, so we're juggling covers? I guess so, yeah. It's perfect an analysis of what it is that we do. Yeah, these guys are juggling covers. <laughs> I don't think that anyone's ever saw us and went like, man, they're juggling covers. How, okay, how about tune smugglers? It's funny to me, but I, I couldn't in, in, in good conscience be in the tune smugglers. Okay. Uh, then, of course, there's the Liberty Tubes, which is currently under the jurisdiction of a local keyboard player named Drew. Correct. That so, is my favorite, man. Yeah. So we offered this man $500 for a group name that he no longer appears to be using, and he turned us down. So why do you think this name, the Liberty Tubes, is perfect for us and worth five hundred dollars? I don't disagree. I just want to hear your your take on this matter. I think that uh, the Liberty Tubes is, as far as Pittsburgh goes, I think that most people have that live in this city, that have grown up in this city, have at some point or another traversed. The Liberty Tubes, and of course, technically the ter- the the technical name is the Liberty Tunnels. But every you know the Pittsburgh Yee sets in. It's the Liberty Tubes. For me, I just think it's a great name. I think it's a really really good name. And and uh, you know we did offer that gentleman you know uh, uh, which I thought was it's a fair price. A fair price. It seemed like he wasn't really. He's still not really using the name to its fullest potential. Where. As opposed to us, where we're playing... Certainly would get more use out of the name than he is currently getting. Yeah, absolutely. It is a good name. It reflects on a local landmark. There's two of us. I could see a lot of marketing, Mm -hmm. posters. Yeah. Okay, so we'll just set this 
this name problem aside, but it it needs to be solved soon. I'm I'm hoping that we can get this wrangled into submission maybe by New Year's or so. I would like to. I mean, we just experienced it this past weekend where people were asking for our card. We haven't got new cards because the, the ongoing conversation, of course, about the name. Okay, so back to the topic of uh, what we do as the vagrants and what we bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you think about our colleagues like the Trace Lads, Sean, Mark, Kevin, and Freddie? How do we measure up? In what areas do you think they have us beat? And if so, where do you think that we have them beat? Doing what we do, performing other people's songs, they are the uh, gold standard. Going back to the uh, The the Olympic medal (laughs) Uh, you know, gold, silver, bronze. Yeah, they got the highest podium. They have the highest podium for sure. They are they they win every every year. Sean Mark runs into the gig carrying the torch. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, you know Freddie, of course, is the area's know, top guitar player. Yeah, it, to the point where it almost makes you mad. Oh, he shouldn't be that good, you know. But uh, and, yeah. and Kevin is no slouch by any means. You know, they're they're they're. So tight and so fantastic. They can sing, they're tight, and they have this going for them too, is they formed the same way we did, and that is they were an original band, then they came together and started playing covers, just like we did. The difference is they had a pretty significant regional success sheet in their original guys, Mm -hmm. and just this week, or maybe it's next week, there's the Knicks Fat City. It's a Saturday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the reunion, and they're part of it with the Clarks, Mm -hmm. and... You know, they were just in that sort of late 90s sweet spot of of local bands being regionally successful. Mm-hmm. That though we were there sort of we were at the, the tail end of it. Yeah, we, we opened many shows. <laughs> we were the openers. That's what we so were. So they have, as a consequent, imported this sort of regional fan base into their Trace Lads outfit. I think they were they were still kind of going with the original outfit and were able to... It wasn't that the original outfit ended... It was like a then, crossfade. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly am a big admirer of the Trace Lads, and yeah. I've learned a lot from watching and listening to them. Um, the Trace Lads, again, like I said, they're, they are, they're the kings, 100%. But I think that what you and I have done, I think that we consistently try to introduce new material and... In my opinion, the reason to we've always done that was it gets kind of boring, right? After a while, playing the same songs over and over again. But in the last year, what I've really liked about what we've done is we've taken on songs that are definitely a bit more of a challenge. The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Like every time we play that song, man, I, I am constantly amazed by your... You were, you were very consistent in that song, and I know how much work you put into that. I understand that maybe we don't play it perfect every night, you know, or maybe we do play it perfect some nights. And, but, you know, I think that I, I like the idea of that we're taking kind of songs that they're harder, you know, they're harder to pull off. And, and that, that to me is kind of more fun. We can put Don't Fear the Reaper in that same category, yeah. too. Yeah. That was an equal hassle to learn. Yeah. I think that yeah, Everybody so- Wants to Rule the World is also pretty hard, too. So playing more adventurous repertoire for a duo is yeah. probably the largest arrow in our quill yeah but uh so you asked about the clintons and, and radio tokyo uh when i was in radio tokyo we were kind of doing these standard uh bar rock band bar fair and they they wanted to kind of go uh into a r&b rap 
area, which they do now. Yeah, they cornered that they, market. Yeah, they're, it's, it's odd to me because they primarily play out of town. But I'm fortunate enough that they still ask me out to do weddings. Uh, as far as Clintones go, um, you know, 90s is coming back. They do a lot of that stuff. When I was in that band, I was trying to introduce a little bit more of the dancier stuff, like the uh, like No Diggity that we do and the um, This Is How We Do It, that dancey vibe. I mean, you want to get the girls to your gig because you know the girls are going to dance. And if you get the girls to your gig, then the guys are going to follow suit because they know that all the girls are going to that gig. That is the basic business model for a cover <laughs> band is if you can get the girls to dance, then generally speaking, the, the guys will be interested as well. So on this matter of repertoire for the Clintones and Radio Tokyo, what is your general opinion about the state of pop music? And how does this state influence your decisions about repertoire, our repertoire? Pop music nowadays, I'm probably going to sound like an old fogey. I, I just don't get it. You know, I don't, it, it doesn't, there are times that, you know, I can listen to a Taylor Swift song, and, and, you know, if you dig down deep and you break that song down to its kind of basic elements, you know, you can see that there's a, uh, a genuine craft. There is some content there. But I don't think that that applies to everything that is popular. No way. It, it, some of it just seems ridiculous to me. I just, I don't, I don't feel that there's no humanity. In yeah, I did that it's recent just... podcast where I took an adventure through the top 10 and it was a depressing oh, I set of to, songs. Yeah, I listened to them. So do you think there's a standard repertoire in our field? That is, are there songs that must be known in this genre? Because I don't think that there are. I mean, I think that there are some that could be argued as standards, but I think that there's enough rock and pop from the past 50 years to keep audiences happy while maintaining a unique repertoire. There, yeah, no, there is. I mean, I think that we're talking about it before we started, you know, the the wagon wheels, the wonder walls, the the blisters in the sun, the uh, what I got. You know that there are certain songs that are they're almost like, for lack of a better term, quote-unquote, crowd bait. You know that, like, okay, if I play Sweet Home Alabama, you know that people are going to eat it up. If I play Wonderwall, if I play Wagon Wheel, they're going to eat it up. For me, it's more interesting to go, everybody wants to rule the world. I mean, that's a difficult song, I think, on your part. I certainly mess it up enough. But I think that that song, I don't think you meant <laughs> Whatever. I think that that's... That that's as big of a song as like Blister in the Sun. I agree uh, in your general thesis here that there are equally popular songs that are outside the normal cover band canon, which is overly played. People gravitate towards the Sweet Home Alabamas and the Wagon Wheels yeah. of the world, where there are a million songs that fill the same void that are more interesting for from our point of view. That also uh, raises us up. You got those beats down, and I can say we're opening for the Clarks or something like that, man. That thing is just, oh, it's so big and it's so beefy. And yeah, a lot of cover bands have adopted this, or, or cover duos, where people have learned how to use the acoustic guitar as a quasi-percussive instrument. But I think you were definitely one of the first ones in, in Pittsburgh to, I mean, I can remember back. 2005. Yeah, you you had one, and you were... I learned it from my friend Steve Trebu, who was doing it in a, an original context. Yeah. He wasn't playing many shows. But then we started working a lot, and I started using this trick. And, uh, yeah, thanks. I think I was, I was one of the first I around. Absolutely. You were one of the first to do that in the city, and I think that it's hard. I mean, I know that I've done, like, solo gigs where I, I've gotten better at it, but, like, you're, you're light years better than I am. But 
It's really exacting. It's hard. It's really hard uh, to get it smooth, and you've you you're you're a master at it for sure. Yeah. Well, like I said, I learned from Steve Trebu. That's yeah. who taught me how to loop. Or I was aware of the the concept. Uh, Trey Anastasio had done some loops yeah, and fish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there was that guy, Keller Williams, Keller who Williams, did Freaker yeah. by the Speaker. He, mm-hmm. he was a, sort of a loop sample master. Yeah. So there was these people in the late 90s, early 2000s who were starting to do it. But there yeah. weren't many local guys doing it. No. So uh, this brings me to my next question, which is about the, the underappreciated art of the cover band, mm-hmm. and especially the, the duo. And, you know, it's hard to recreate full band arrangements and the loop sampler certainly helps with that yeah. when the, within the context of a two-guy group. Yeah. So how do you think about uh, texture and dynamic changes in a song, whether it's working with loops or working with an octave doubler, which is another trick that we do, yeah. or other such similar tools? Uh, how do limitations inform the arrangements, uh, particularly in a group like ours? As far as uh, that kind of thing goes, uh, I remember when I had that... Uh, that super octave pedal from Boss. I remember when I had that pedal and, and we would do that and it was it was super beefy and super big, but after time went on, what I noticed about it was it sounded less and less natural. You know, it could create some feedback or some, some weird kind of funky stuff. Well, just to clarify what this pedal did, I seem to remember it doubling just the E, A, and D strings. So you could play chords and it would just sort of like add this subterfuge bass sound underneath if i remember correctly it did them all but specifically the low strings it had settings yeah Yeah. it had settings and uh i ended up getting rid of that and i got that pedal that i have now that body res which is uh from tc electronic and like for me it adds that low end but it's not so punishing (laughs) as the sub octave was yeah it's not adding an actual octave it's just sort of resonating in, in the lower octaves of, of the guitar itself. Yeah, good. So with all of our effort to curate our repertoire and to ensure that our texture uh, is pretty good for what we do, do you have any thoughts about our duty as performers to the audience and to the venue owner? Uh, what are they paying for, really, when, when we're there? And Have you ever seen this relationship fail? Have you ever seen (laughs) other bands let down their venue owners in a way that's spectacular? You know, I'm pretty sure that I have failed in this relationship. I mean, you know. know, What are your thoughts here? uh, Look, I mean, yeah. (laughs) We're understanding that the volume doesn't need to be blaringly loud, which I think that, in my opinion, some of our contemporaries get a little crazy with the volume. That's just me, though. Almost all of them. I think we're a bit more respectful as far as that's concerned. Um, but have I have we fallen flat? I think we fell flat this past weekend. <laughs> or no, I'm sorry, this week. Man. Well, I don't think that we, we failed in our duties to the bar owner. I think that maybe no. we've given lackluster performances. But um, what I'm talking about is, is people in these cover duos or cover bands that do play the wrong repertoire or do play too loud or go on too long or start too late or all of these other ways that you can misbehave in our position. Okay. Well, so yeah. So first of all, let's, let's talk about time. So like, okay, so if a bar hires you and they're going, okay, well, you're going to play nine to 12. I think that you should be ready to go at nine o'clock. Now, seems pretty simple. If as a performer, 
I think is if you're looking at the crowd and you're going, you know, maybe it's a maybe it's a slower night. You, know, you initiate that conversation with the management, with the staff, and you go, hey, you know what? What if we maybe take another 10 minutes, 15 minutes? Let's see if we can get some, you know, maybe some more people show up. The biggest thing is you you keep that that relationship, that open relationship with the venue. You know, you're honest with them. Yeah, it's pretty simple. I think that a lot of bands, as far as volume is concerned, I think that they, I don't think that they realize they're really that, confused. Yeah, I don't think that they realize the effect of volume that ha- plays on your audience. Yeah, I think that they are misunderstanding what it is that the bar is e- expecting from the group, yeah. why they're there, what duty that they are serving, and as far as the fifteen minutes of a window we allow if the bar isn't filled up yet. This is a lot different than showing up 15 minutes before you're supposed to start, like like some of our colleagues. (laughs) And then have to set up. Yeah, and then you get started like 45 minutes to an hour late or whatever. Whoever I'm talking to, I'm saying, if I'm telling you I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. And I don't think we've ever been late. No, once in a blue moon, but no, we're not late. We don't do that. And one time I started without you. <laughs> one time I one time you started remember, without me. <laughs> do you remember that Clark's gig up a Thursday? Oh yeah, where you that's never right. made it. Yeah, the weather sure, was yeah. bad though. Yeah, man. there was a there was snowstorm and I got I got lost and there was a snowstorm. <laughs> it was in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, so that was my my biggest sin in this department. But in my thirteen, bad. but in thirteen years, yeah, how many times has that happened? Yeah, just those two those times. Two. Yeah, the parameters of our assignment here are pretty clear and i really take issue with the groups that that mess up something so simple so do you have any words of wisdom for me and others listening on the art and craft of contacting venue owners or booking managers so as to procure work so we've heard from some booking managers that they are literally inundated with requests for gigs so how do you set us apart in such a way that keeps us busy uh well, you know, 2018 it's been a record quite year. Possibly the busiest year that we've ever had. And I don't know, I, I think that booking, especially for what we do, particularly for what we do is pretty cyclical. It, you know, when I contact a venue blindly, you know, I give them a brief history like hey, we've played here, 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 you know, we're we're lucky enough that we get to open for the Clarks now and again, well-known marquee venues that we have played and i also mentioned some other things uh, oliver twist which we did for a very long time props to them you know i mentioned that we had a residency there for eight years straight so we bought that we bought that camera uh, so we got videos so we got videos which helps i think that that's what number did one for us this year yeah. was uh, sharing videos, and we record what just about every show and both shows. And, and I make the videos, you book the gigs. Yeah, I feel like there might be some guys out there that do it in a more of a perhaps salesman way, maybe more uh, pushy. I try not to be pushy about it. I say, hey, listen, if you, you know, I've heard great things about your 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 venue, your establishment. If you'd like to have us, maybe we can work something out. We've played so many places at this point that I really like the places that I would forego the big money gig. The consistency is where it's at for our business, in my opinion. You know, so if a place, and I hate playing those venues too, where like, you know, sometimes it's almost like 
you walk in and you, it feels like you're like an indentured yeah, indentured yeah. servant. Like they're not nice to you, and you're you're just like, hi, how are you? Oh, yeah, thank you. The last gig, the yeah. bar manager was grilling me on how many people I'm going to bring. And yeah. keep in mind, this was uh, 45 minutes outside of the city. I'm like, yeah. I'm probably not bringing anybody. Sir. And this was also <laughs> after at least three conversations that I had with him on the phone, saying, "Hey, listen, man, it's Thanksgiving Eve. It's it could go one way or the other." You never know. You know, places like, you know, when we played Oliver Twist all those years, man, they were really good to us. Yeah. So if you're nice to them and they're nice in return, that makes a good relationship. Yeah. I agree about not being condescending when trying to book your band. For example, you don't need to have the attitude of, hey, listen, you and your venue need to stop making the mistake of not having my <laughs> band play, <laughs> which seems yeah. to be how some approach it. It's sort of, I can't believe you guys don't know about us. Did you know that we're this good? But I also wonder, and I, there are guys in the city that do a similar thing to what we do that undersell themselves in order to get in the door. And I'm willing to do that to a point, but... It mixes up venue owners about what it is that it's worth. Yeah. And then we get there and like, yeah. what do you mean? You're not going to play for $50 and a free chicken nuggets. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever had anybody offer me free chicken nuggets, man. What are your favorite parts about gigging and any thoughts that you have about tear down and set up? The load in, I never mind. It's the load out, you know. When you're, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to assume, but like for me, like after you sang for, for three hours, four hours where you're just, you know, just, you know, pushing so hard and giving it all you got. Like the last thing I want to do is like, oh, I got to tear this down. <laughs> Manual I labor. I my car and, you know, that's a pain in the butt. But uh, I enjoy it. My be- the f- my favorite part is I do enjoy it. Like I do enjoy sitting at home and like I don't, I'm, but when I sit at home and I'm, I'm noodling, I don't, I'm not really quote unquote practice anything. I, I'm, I'm kind of just messing around. Maybe I'll, I'll review something. I'll go like, oh, I, I, I'm, I feel like I sing best in front of people i like that we've i think we've got a, a mix as far as the pa is concerned down to a, a somewhat of a science so like i, I told you i did a, a fill-in gig last weekend and i different it, system it was just a different system and it was a different setup and like i ended up losing my voice because it just wasn't what i was used to but then like we played this week and i was like oh there it is yeah it's you know? easier to sing in front of an audience and it's easier to sing when you're used to your gear yeah and it is a certain pain that that I know to some degree, but not as much as you, that singing all night is really hard work. And at the end of the night, and, and you have to tear down after doing oh, four yeah. hours of hard work, it, yeah. it, can, it can be a real challenge. Especially when the load in or load out is when we do Baja. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, I love it there, and they're, they're, they're very nice to us. It's and a rough they're, load out. It's a rough load out, yeah. Okay, so I think that we've done enough damage here. I thought that we'd uh, wrangle this podcast to a close by playing a song or maybe a, a couple songs. I, I, I don't know. What, what do you think about trying that car song? I thought that maybe we'd try to lay that one down. Um, game with whatever, man. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm a, you know, I'm a, a fan of the... Chasing the Chords podcast. You know, I've been listening, man. So Thanks, man. Ross is, I think Ross has got my favorite one so far. Yeah, that was a good podcast. I told you I liked the TJ one, man, but I just wanted more metal. Yeah, more, you, more metal. You wanted TJ and I to play more I metal. I wanted you guys to just like play, just, just finger tap for an hour. Yeah, well, I'm still, <laughs> still getting used to this medium. It's, it's, I know, uh, it's, I know, it's a work in progress.
All right, cool. Let's, let's let's do some let's do some jamage here. Okay. Let's do it. Sun went down, kept it going. Crazy. 